Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. And this is a big mistake homeowners make is someone misses a premium payment. You miss it. They miss it. Whoever you get some letter. Hey, you know, bear in mind, you're supposed to have insurance. If you don't get insurance, we'll buy insurance for you. And you think, oh, cool. Awesome. I mean, I don't want to deal with this. My mortgage mortgage company doesn't do crap for me. It's about time they step up to the plate and do something, right? They're buying insurance for them, (laughs) not for you. In most states, you can't even recover. Mm -hmm. They will keep the money. And and if they underpay, you have no right to go after getting more money. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to the Around the House Show. This is where we help you. It's your home through information and education. We've got a great guest in the studio here that I'm looking forward to. Galen Eyre from insuranceclaimheadquarters.com, insuranceclaimhq.com. Thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. You help a lot of people these days, especially with all the craziness that we see with hurricanes and everything else. Homeowners just don't know how to navigate, it seems, insurance claims. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, we educate homeowners on anything anymore, but at least like you're like a first time home buyer, <laughs> the bank might give you like a flyer, like here's some things you need to know about getting financing or here's what you, you know, or you got a real estate agent walking you through like, you know, so we're going to do inspections and here's what they're going to look for. But um, unfortunately, like there's just no one set up. There's just no system set up for new or even old homeowners to kind of know what to do when they have something happen to their house. And, you know, it's just a nightmare. It's a it's obviously like a hole in our system. Um, So we're really lucky that aside from helping people, we also do a ton of education. Amen, man. It's crazy. It's uh I get so many questions in the show from time to time for people that are just, I had this disaster. And of course the insurance company is always generally motivated to reduce that claim as much as they can. And the homeowner is trying to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting the way it works, right? If you get in a car accident because it's the other person's insurance company, usually I think, you know, or like you at least have this like deep intuitive sense to use a muskism um, that at the end of the day, <laughs> that insurance company is not really interested in treating you well, right? They're, they're looking out for the other person. They right. don't care, but that's not really the case for homeowners insurance. Cause we pay them. Um, sometimes we pay them for decades, right? I'll get clients who will be like, I've been a customer mm-hmm. of insert name here for like 40 years. Um, so you pay them. You have a good relationship with maybe your insurance agent. You like them in small towns. You might see them at the grocery store, right? Uh, They're always nice guys. So you kind of have like the exact opposite. You have this deep intuitive sense that you're going to call your carrier. They're going to send someone out 
and they're going to treat you fairly. And what's the problem with that is like twofold. Number one, insurance claims are a zero sum game. Like if they don't have a dollar, then you, you have a dollar. If you don't have a dollar, they have a dollar. Right. So like every, someone is losing yep. in every situation. Right. Um, and they're of course in it to get mm-hmm. profit. So they want you to lose. But the other issue is like insurance is one of the only industries in the world in the world where the system is you tell me how much you owe me and I'm under the impression under the impression that I have no right to question that. Right. You know, it's crazy, right? Like if you and I make a business deal and you're going to pay me some portion of like your profits from your business or something, right. I'm going to ask you to like, show me the books. Let me look at it. Let me figure out what you owe me. Right. Um, Hell, I mean, geez, you're doing a new driveway for me and you mess it up, I'm going to get another contractor to give me a quote to fix it, right? But in insurance, they come out and say, okay, we looked at it and here's what we owe you. Oh, yeah. Great example. My little brother had, and this was a little bit more on, on the homeowners dealing with a contractor side, so it's not really homeowners, but he had a guy come out and paint some trim on his house and he decided to get up there, licensed, bond, insured, and the guy got paint all over his beautiful new roof. And then when my brother got home, the contractor was sitting there grinding off his three tab shingles, all of the paint. And this is a green historical roof, you know, so it's nice. He had to battle that insurance company on a different way, but it's still insurance, but they had to put a whole new roof on his house over this guy, not putting tarps out, but it's the same battle that you have to deal with. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is like, you have to be aware, like you have to be really aware that no matter what they tell you, it's really your job to figure out what you're owed. And if you've got to, you've got to get someone to help you with that, unless you really do know these things. And most homeowners don't, I mean, how can you, like, even if you know how much two by fours cost at Lowe's, or, you know, what the average price of a roof is today, you also don't know how to figure out what was harmed. You know, you get hail come through. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Like, you can probably guess you need some shingles, but what about the sheathing underneath? You know, has water been getting in that roof for a while? Do we have any rotting in the attic? Is it a tornado or the joist twisted? Like, so there's so many levels like of yeah. what you have to figure out. Cause it's not just a dollar figure. You have to figure out what you need to do to fix your house. And then it's worse if you have an older house because, Oh, wait a minute. I have damaged asbestos siding. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so right? much of that right now, especially because the hurricanes have been hitting these like, <laughs> older kind of more Southern regions lately where there's just a mm-hmm. lot of houses that haven't really been touched in a couple of decades in terms of like natural disaster. Yeah. So it's like asbestos every day. It's like, I hear about a new asbestos roof that we're dealing with. And you know, you don't want to obviously poison those kids down the street and stuff by just throwing that stuff in a dumpster. Um, so you want to take care of it the right sure. way. It's like the responsible thing to do. So, but you got to figure out what that costs because I promise you most of those carriers will just write for you to throw it in a trash bag and call it a day. And you really should not do that. 100%. 100%. Now, one of the biggest confusions I see out there with homeowners that I get questions on, and I'm by no means an expert on this like you are, but I tell you what, water is the biggest confusing thing for homeowners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a ton of different ways, right? Where it came from, what it did, what damage it caused. Um, you know, someone called me the other day and they said, well, so here's what happened. The hurricane hit my house. It tore off my roof and my house flooded. And I was like, 
back up because I think we I think you and I say things differently. Your house flooded, and he goes, "Yeah, my house flooded." Uh-huh. I said, "Where did the water come from?" He goes, "Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can tell he's like, okay, so hydrogen and oxygen combine, and and I'm like, no, I I, I, <laughs> exactly. I was like." I was I like, look, know. I mean, how did the water get in your house? Did it come up from the ground and come in through the door and stuff? Or did it rain in because your roof was gone? He's like, oh, it all rained in. I was like, then you didn't flood. Like flood means water no, comes from the ground. That's no, water damage. You just have water damage, right? And then people are like, oh, you can't say the mold word. You have to say water damage. Well, that's not always true. I mean, in most states, the no. rule is like, what damage did the water cause? And if the water caused the mold, you yeah. probably are okay. But it's going to depend on your policy and stuff. And then um, in the last area, people go, it gets crazy is like sewage backups, water overflows, things like that. Ugh. Like the average homeowner cannot navigate that because your policy probably has language in it that makes it sound like it's not covered. But like one of our attorneys, I consider to be like the nation's expert in this one super detailed, super weird issue. Right. He can look at a policy and he will explain, it'll take him like 15 minutes to talk to you. Okay, so here's what this policy is trying to cover. Here's what it's trying not to cover. And based on your situation, you either do have coverage or not. And he's always right. Um, but like, yeah. that stuff's complicated. Like, it's amazing how many wow. homeowners, and, and I was guilty of it too, before I really started doing this, you know, they, uh, they like look at the policy, they kind of read it. They take the insurance company's word for it. So they think, okay, I don't really have a claim. And then, you know, they find out later that their friend with the exact same policy got paid and didn't have to be out of pocket thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, great example. My neighbor just had their water line break going back to their house and they filed an insurance claim on it. And I was like, how did that happen? I know the tree roots caused it and the trees are protected in the neighborhood. But I was like, that's an interesting thing that you got covered there. And they didn't pay the whole thing by any means, but they got a few thousand bucks out of the 30,000 bucks. But I was like, wow, it's weird that that even got covered. Yeah. I mean, every policy is different. I mean, you know, some are the same, obviously, but you should not just assume from that one page that you're looking at that declaration page that, you know, what that thing says. I mean, some of these policies are hundreds of pages and they like contradict each other through the whole thing. Right. So you got to figure out like which provision controls, but it's a comp, like it's a contract. That's your agreement with them, even if you didn't really get to negotiate it. And uh, that language controls. And then, of course, in like individual states, there's laws that say, well, here's how we interpret this or that. Um, so it really is kind of like this whole winding, weaving road just to figure out what you even are entitled to. Like then you got to fight to go get it right. But just to figure out like yeah. it's a process and, you know, we love it. Um, maybe we don't like ourselves very much now that I think about that because it's really time consuming and detailed, but we like, we like that process of like, okay, Eric, here's your policy. Thank you. Like, tell me what happened. Now let me go into a room for, you know, a couple hours and read this entire policy and tell you, Hey, that sucks. You don't have any coverage or you really do. So let's go fight and try to get you what you need. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and it's one of those things that I think, is even more now that homes have gone up so far across the country in many places, like their value has gone by a third to half to even double in places. And I'm getting ready to deal with my insurance company on this now. Cause I realized that, wow, my house has doubled in three years. I know I'm not insured for what the value of the house is. Yeah. So it's the matchstick 
test is what I tell people. Um, again, there's just not enough information out there. Most people buy insurance for their house based on a number the agent arbitrarily chose. The agents have mm-hmm. some ways of getting those numbers, which usually has to do with whatever you bought it for. Um, some of them even have softwares that find that so they don't have to look it up. And um, then usually they will move it up some small percentage every year based on what they think are reasonable, but that's not keeping track with the market, right? Problem with that is a few things. In most states, it's your responsibility to figure out how much coverage you have. So even if your agent did it, unless you like told him, I am trusting you to figure out the number and you bet, like, unless you can prove all that, that's on you, not them. And, um, yep. you know, and then the other thing that happens a lot, which is really unfortunate is there's things it's, it's called coinsurance. And basically what it means is if you didn't purchase enough insurance, you actually get penalized a second time, not just you're underinsured, but like, it'll say something like, for instance, <laughs> if you're not insured to value, we'll figure out what you are insured to. And that's the percentage of your claim you'll get. So even if you had enough coverage for the whole claim, let's say you had a hundred thousand in insurance, oh. but your house is 500,000 right? And you only have 20,000 of damage. Yep. You're like, I'm good. I got a hundred thousand in insurance. We're fine with the, They might come back and say, no, no, no. Co-insurance penalty. You had to be insured at full value. So you had to be insured at 500. So you were 20% insured. So we're actually just going to pay you four grand for that $20,000 claim. Cause that's 20%. So like, and Galen, this is why I have you on the show today. <laughs> well, and no one tells them that that's the problem. Like the agents don't even bring it up. No. So the test is this, it's really simple. And even though it's morbid, you stand outside and you stare at your house and you think, if I just decided today I wanted to live in a van down by the river. First off, I am 35 years old. I am divorced and I live in a van down by the river. And I wanted to burn this down. (laughs) And then the next day I had buyer's remorse, right? I'm I'm all about the van down by the river. But uh, next day I get buyer's remorse (laughs) and I want to rebuild this house from the ground up and I want to replace all my stuff inside. What is the number that I need for each? One number to build and one number to replace all your stuff. That sucks to pay an extra 400, 500, 600 a, a year really not that much when you think about it um, in extra coverage that you yeah. think you don't need, but that is the test. That is how you know that you are covered and you need to do that every year. When you get the renewal paperwork from your agent, go back outside and think about it. What is it really going to cost? Mm-hmm. My brother's house is a perfect example of this. He has a 1920s old farmhouse. that was a big, huge Sears house back in the day in the twenties three stories, basement, almost 5,000 square feet. If you jump on Zillow, it says it's worth on the acre, $800,000. I'm going to guess it's 1.6 to replace it. Yeah. I mean, look, I even have them um, like roofs. So there's a lot of weird roof claims. Asbestos is a great example, right? But there's clay tile and all these things. And I'll see oh, yeah. people that have like 300,000 in coverage. And at first you just look at that house and you're like, yeah, it's like a $300,000 house. And then you find out that roof is out of production. They don't make it anymore. It's not a cheap architectural shingle. And so yep. you get one of the few contractors in the country that are like really, really certified to install from that manufacturer. They come down, they give you a quote and they quote you for like 280 for the roof. And you're like, what in the actual world? Like, that is a $300,000 house all day. You know it. I know it. We would not pay more than 300 to buy that house. 
and the actual cost, like no one's inflating. Anyone listening is like, yeah, the contractor's a crook. They're not a crook. Um, like, cause I'll go get the same no. bid from five others, right? Um, that roof yep. is like worth just as much as that house. And maybe they're in a historical district. So maybe they can't even put something cheaper on. So you really have to think through it. I know you don't have the expertise to do it, but you can kind of figure it out and you can even ask a contractor like, hey, if I wanted you to build this house for me, what would you charge? Well, and even on top of that, let's take it even one more level. They have to pull a building permit to put that new roof on and the permit department goes, hey, that roof isn't framed to hold that. It won't pass today's engineering stuff. So we need new engineering drawings and we need you to rebuild that roof system up there before you even put that $280,000 roof on. Yeah, and uh, again, something a lot of people don't know is there's actually a provision for that in a lot of policies called law and ordinance, which basically says, hey, you know, if you're doing a lot of work, you're probably going to have to upgrade um, just to meet the codes, not because you're trying to get away with, you know, going from laminate countertops to marble, Um, you know, but there may be code things you got to deal with. So that's a law and ordinance coverage, really good coverage to have really important. I can't tell you how often I see it come up. It also is one of the most frequently waived policy provisions. And like, I have seen crazy, crazy stuff where that would have helped a homeowner like save a hundred grand. And I'm like, how much did you get a discount on to get rid of that? Like, that's a weird issue to me. And what happened less, like less, right? Because they're just checking off all these boxes to get their premium down by 50 bucks. And they're waiving like 17 different types Mm. of coverage. Um, I saw one the other day. There's no way it's legal. Like we're going to challenge it. There's no way it's legal. Um, (laughs) Where in exchange for a $32 a year savings, they agree not to hire anyone to help them with their insurance claim. How can that be legal? Yeah, there's no way it is. We're going to challenge it. But uh, I guess our client will owe them 32 bucks back. But but literally to save thirty two dollars, our client agreed not to hire a public adjuster to help them figure out what they're owed just to accept whatever number the carrier said. Well, you tell me when because they know what the policy says when they come out. You tell me what they're going to do when they get out there. They're going to be like, "Eh, I don't see anything. Here's a dollar. Exactly. That's crazy. At what level, I want to get your opinion on this, because I always say if you've got anything over just a small claim that you could almost pay out of pocket versus claiming on your on your homeowners, at what point do you recommend getting that public adjuster or somebody in to help you with that claim? Because it is so hard to navigate. Yeah, so I think those are two things there, and they're both really important. Um, and I'm not the typical lawyer that's like, no, hire a lawyer for everything. Um, because it doesn't always make sense. So yeah. the first thing is you do have to kind of get a rough idea of the magnitude of the damage, right? So if you're talking to some contractor, if your deductible is like two grand and you're talking to some contractor and he's like, I can fix that for like 700 bucks. I don't see a reason to open a claim. I'm a, I'm a prag, I, sure. I, like I'm pragmatic, right? Um, it's not that having it yeah. on there is going to hurt you a lot in most states. If it's not your fault, it's not really changing the metrics as far as your premiums and getting dropped and stuff. But there's just no reason to deal with the hassle. Like it's just one more thing they're going to look at in a in a later claim. They're going to want to see if you fix that, right? Like it's just not worth it. it. It's not worth the hassle. If it's cheap, it's easy. However, do not just take that contractor's word for it. Like be investigative, be inquisitive, look around. Okay, cool. I asked a roofer, and he said he could just do a quick spot repair for seven bucks, you know, for 70 bucks. But, you know, 
did I look in the attic or did I pay someone to look in the attic? Is there water in there? What does that mean? Like, don't just stop at the number, like really look at everything. Um, you know, yeah. Ask a contractor, not a handyman. Handyman's looking for the quick fix. They can charge some bucks for Right. And I don't mind that. Like I love doing stuff around the house myself. I'll help people. Like, I mean, I actually love your podcast because it's got so much great info. Right. But contractor is going to have an eye towards spotting everything. Right. Because they want to make money. Yeah. So, so ask them to help you spot things. True. And then if you get to a point where that claim is likely to be above your deductible, what I suggest is this personally, unless it's like a crazy, crazy situation and you know, it's going to be wild. Let them come out. Do not say ridiculous things to them because people love to, because they're trying to make friends, right? <laughs> Just tell them what happened. Do, don't even point them to the areas that are affected. Like you can say, Hey, the leak came in the kitchen, but do not say only check the kitchen, ask them to check everything, right? Yeah. Like you want them working yeah. on actually paying the claim, not creating a file that makes you sound like you told them what to do. Um, and exactly and get that check. And here's what you do next. They're going to tell you, oh, just take that money. It's just going to get you started. Hire a contractor, do whatever. That's terrible advice. They usually don't even mean it. They yep. will leave you hanging with a bill and then they will try to negotiate and extort you and be like, well, this contractor is going to sue you for 20 grand, but I'll give you 14 if you agree to walk away. You know, it's terrible, right? Um, instead, <sighs> what I suggest is do this. It's called the offensive check. If you get that check and you're holding it and you feel offended by what is in that check, if you feel like it's close but not quite there, maybe try to work on it with your adjuster a little bit. But if you were offended by that check, hire a public adjuster or hire a property casualty lawyer. Got it. That makes sense. And that's different advice I've given. So you see, I'm even learning something here. So that's that's great. Let them get through the process. And and it's almost like when you're going to traffic court right now, you don't, you don't want to say too much when you're in traffic court. You just answer the questions as best you can and don't dig yourself in a bigger hole. Yeah, and look, all my colleagues and competitors will tell you, even people within my office, like get someone immediately. And that's not the bad advice. It's just like not the most no. prudent, frugal economic advice, right? Like we get brought in all the time on what we call large yeah. losses, like big commercial buildings. Sometimes we'll get the call before the sure. agent will. Right. Um, because they want us there. <laughs> well, and, and the reason is actually not because they don't trust their insurance company. It's because for them, it's worth the little bit we charge at the beginning to make sure we're helping guide them. Like, OK, you don't have a 40 page homeowner state farm policy. You have a 1000 page Lloyd's of London policy. It's going to take us three weeks just to understand Correct. what it says. And you have all these duties like right after a loss, all these things you have to do. Mm -hmm. So before you just go hiring random people to start closing things and, you know, preventing the carrier from like actually adjusting the claim, we can kind of interface with that insurance adjuster, help move things smoothly, but it's not necessary in your average. Like I had a pipe burst and there was a little bit of damage. Like we'll help you if you want to bring us in early, but it's yeah. not, it's not usually worth it. Got it. So it's smart to bring in when the Home Depot burns to the ground, but maybe not when you have the small kitchen yeah, fire. Yeah, the more complicated, like the more complicated the structure is, the more complicated the damage is, the more likely you want to bring someone in early. But on an average situation, like you you have a good gut, right? So you want to trust your insurance company. But when you when you get that check, if you're like, you know, they actually did pretty good. I'm impressed, but you have to have done your homework and already looked at everything and figured out what you're owed. If you're pretty impressed, you're probably going to be fine. 
if you're offended, that it makes doesn't sense. usually get better, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm following you. That makes sense. So what happens like down in the south, kind of where you're at, hurricane season, right? And I know there have been some huge stories that I've seen from people about insurance, people that had coverage, people that are getting dropped. What are you seeing right now as kind of an update in the industry out there with that? Because it's a big yeah, deal. So there's kind of there's a few things happening at once. Um, some of them make a lot of sense and some of them, in my opinion, are just inappropriate. So the first thing that's going on, which is normal after any big loss, is these insurance companies have actuarial tables that basically say based on the average rate of like when bad things happen and what your exposure is, if you charge X, you know, and you bring in Y, you will still make money even after paying all your claims fairly, okay. right? Man, a bunch of big hurricanes in a row really mess up that table and make that table a little inaccurate. So some carriers are having problems because, you know, they get their own insurance. They actually purchase their own insurance. So if they ever have to pay you, they have an insurance company to pay them. Um, but it's expensive. It. It's a line item they don't want. They want that money for bonuses and profits and salaries and all that fun stuff. So sure. there has been a trend over the last like decade to buy less and less and less what we call reinsurance and the state regulators have been letting them get away with that because they keep saying, Oh, you know, if you want us in your state, you need to lower your reinsurance requirements. So we kind of reached this really nasty place a couple of years ago where most of these smaller carriers, like the big, big carriers, they weren't in that position, but the smaller carriers didn't have enough insurance to cover their prospective losses. And they didn't keep cash reserves to really pay what they needed to pay so suddenly they're getting sued everywhere. They're, you know, they're getting all these demands and they just kind of caved. Now there's a little sub story to that, which wow. is really sad. So first of all, usually when that happens, the state will pick that up and take care of that for you. Um, you know, they have different, what we call guarantee associations designed to make sure their citizens don't go homeless as a result of, you know, a, a carrier going under. Um, there are some penalties yeah. and consequences of that, but nevertheless, you'll probably be okay. But you know, the sad part of this story and it's starting to come out, um, is bonuses paid to these people right before they went under um, subsidiaries being created oh. to funnel money out of the company. So there's been a number of these small carriers that have gone under where, you know, at least on my side of the industry, we kind of feel like they didn't have to go under. They chose to go under um, and they kind of funneled money out on Got purpose. Uh, that's, I think you're going to see a lot of that over the next two years. You're going to see a lot of investigations. Um, some of the articles are already coming out. And then the final thing that's going on, is this is normal. Like when you hear about insurance companies going under, you just need to take a deep breath. This happens. Anytime there's a bunch of big events, like go back, look at Katrina years, this happens. It just yep. does. And mother nature is not getting better, not going to get political about why, but it's not, you know, sure. almost like the climate might be changing. So um, anyway, it's not getting better. It's going to get worse. Sure. So just yeah. breathe, but you know, also don't buy into the hype. So the other thing going on. Yeah is keep in mind like legislating government it's all big business right and and that's not mm -hmm. not pointing the finger at them unfairly every industry pays lobbyists to get things passed that help them yeah. and one of the things that insurance companies do not like is the ability of private citizens to really sue them on underpaid claims and because it doesn't make economic True. sense if so one of the things they really want to do is pass laws that keep the public adjusters and the attorneys away um, from being able to help. So we have what we call bad faith states. In states where there's bad faith, mm -hmm. 
even if you have a little $15,000 roof claim from your double wide and you, and let's face it, you are then the most susceptible population because you do not have money to replace that double wide. You don't, you know, usually, um, an attorney will still take your case and they'll still take your case because if they can prove the carrier was inappropriate, um, depending on the standard, they can get all their attorney fees paid. So they can go get you your 15 grand. And even if the carrier makes them fight for six years, they can go get their hourly like amount to take care of that. So it creates an environment where the carrier has no real incentive to screw you over if you hire an attorney, right? Um, that's not ideal. Yeah, that makes sense because they you have a $15,000 claim, but you got $150,000 in insurance. They're, they're better to pay 20 and get that done. 100 really percent, but right? the highest profit margin is really in screwing over those small claims. If you're in a state where there's no attorneys, no public adjusters that'll get involved because those people won't hire an attorney on an hourly basis to fight you because they can't afford it. Uh, and no attorney is going to take it on contingency because they'll say, well, if I charge a third, I'll fight for six years, work my rear end off and make five grand and then I'll be homeless. Right. So. Yeah. So they just can't do it. So that's the other thing going on is there's a lot of pressure on the legislatures to say, oh, you know, these carriers are going under. So that what we really need to do to stop that is we need to get rid of all the protections for the consumer. So like Florida is a great example. Florida just eliminated almost every single consumer protection out there for homeowners um, going forward. Like there's no bad faith. There's no attorney fees. It was cute the way they did it because they added all these requirements for insurance companies to behave better, but they took away the ability for the private citizens to enforce it. And most insurance commissioners are from the insurance industry. They're not from the consumer industry. So sure. That's what they learned learned and that's who they are. And a lot of them are elected and the insurance companies are funding those campaigns. If I ran for insurance commissioner in Louisiana right now, I guarantee you every insurance company would put millions behind stopping me. Because, because yeah. they know I will, I'll hold them all accountable, right? Um, I, I don't think I'd ever be able you know to that, You know money. the tricks of yeah, the trade, I mean, right? well, they just, they know that I won't be on their side. I'm, I'm, I won't be against them. But mm-hmm. if I see consumers getting screwed over, I'm going to enforce the laws, right? So they make sure they have yeah. someone that they think is going to be friendly um, there. So that's kind of the other thing that's going on. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, you can expect to see that in a bunch of states this year. Um, Louisiana will be next. That's happening in a couple of months. I think you can expect to see Louisiana mm-hmm. propose a bill package that will eradicate all consumer protections for them. They even want to add bills that say if you lose against your insurance company, you owe them money, um, oh. which has never been like that. And once Louisiana and a couple of other southern states pick it up, I think you'll see national legislation packages just in every state. Um, so that's the current thing that consumers are dealing with that they don't really realize they're dealing with so everybody out there pay attention to what's going on in your local legislature because uh if you have a claim they could be pulling some serious money out of your pocket that you would legitimately be owed and tie your hands behind your back where you couldn't fight for it. yeah you know and it doesn't have to be us versus them like i'm not telling you you should love love trial lawyers lots of people hate lawyers um that's not a big deal to me it doesn't hurt my feelings um but you know i will say just general advice if you see a bill come up, ask yourself what it's about. Don't just trust whoever's putting it forward. And if you, this is a great thing to do. It's actually fun. I, I promise you'll enjoy it. You know, figure out who your local reps are for your state legislature. 
not just your federal. Everyone knows who their congressman and their senator is. Who's your state congressperson, right? Um, figure that out. Call them. Email them. You'll be amazed at how much more responsive they are than the feds, like way more responsive. Um, they'll actually write you, call you, thank you, have a real conversation with you. And if you see something about insurance, just be like, hey, you know, my number one fear is that I pay for insurance. I don't get paid fairly. And then I have no way to get paid fairly because no one will take my case. What can you do to help me? Yep. And we found that those kind of we call them grassroots campaigns are way more effective um, because I'll tell you what I hear. If I go meet with your legislator in your state, even if it's a state I don't practice in, I do this all over the country just to help. Right. They tell me my constituents yeah. don't care about that. They've never once come to me about that. And I'm like, well, crap. Now I got to go knock on doors and see if I can get some people to call. Exactly. Right? Well, true. And and to be honest, and this isn't any kind of political show, we try to steer away from it, but you can get more done dealing with your local legislature than you can you know, with your state than you can federal, because that one person has usually way more power and change than you calling up your, you senator. know, and they're usually again, because because it's not political. Like, I don't care where you sit on the spectrum of like politics. They're usually pretty cool people, like mm-hmm. especially at the state level. They're not getting paid like they're not making bank. So they're working a full time job. Yeah, they might live down the street from you. You might not like them. You might hate them. You might have a personal issue with them. But generally speaking, they're just like us. You know, they're they're no one special yeah. when they're at that level. Yeah. And they want to they, they want to do something because they're they're like you said, not making banks. So they're there to do change and to make things better. So you handing them something to run with is not a bad yeah, thing. for sure. Um, and you never know. And it, it doesn't just apply to this stuff. Like you see a problem. I'm not saying become the annoying neighbor, like harassing your your representatives. So they have to take out a restraining order. Right. But like it's amazing <laughs> what gets accomplished just by shooting an email or making a phone call. Amen. What are you seeing out there with earthquake insurance? I know I've got it here in my area uh, just because I'm West Coast. But uh, what do you see in that? And it's there's been earthquakes popping up in weird spots recently. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they haven't really pulled back much yet, but I think that's coming. Um, mm-hmm. The problem with that is in order for them to really want to pull back, they will have to get comfortable philosophically that there just are more earthquakes than there have been. Like, I don't really care what it is, but something is going on. Like, we're not all going to fall in the ice age in three years, right? But, like, all of a sudden, volcanoes are becoming active. Earthquakes are happening. Like, that doesn't mean the world's going to end tomorrow. But, like, the world changes. It always has, right? At one point in time, we were, like, one big continent, you know? So so the world is moving and changing and, like... We seem to be in a pretty weather ice ages and all that. Yeah, other stuff. I mean, it's always it always happens. Like it's not a big deal, but we definitely seem to be in a weather heavy change at the moment. You know, where natural disasters mm-hmm. are just kind of happening. You know, that may be cool, right? Maybe in a hundred years, like some flower will pop up that will cure cancer. I don't know, but bottom line, like things are changing, and the carriers are going to keep an eye yeah. out for that because that hurts. That's not because they're bad. Honestly, no one runs a business for free. You know what I mean? If I have a pizza shop yeah. and all of a sudden dough goes up 5X, don't get mad at me that I raise the price of my pizzas. Yep. Correct. Yeah, that's the one thing you got to remember is these guys are not a state-run public service place. This is an actual business that has shareholders, and this is one big corporation that is sitting there trying to navigate the the profitability spectrum to – Helping its consumers. And even the ones like some people listen to you say that and they'll be like, no, I have citizens, right? Because citizens is like the government run in your state. 
But most mm-hmm. citizens organizations are organized like people don't know this. Number one, in some states, you have to prove that you tried to get other insurance and couldn't. And they try to keep their rates about equal to the commercial market because carriers are not going to come to a state if the government is literally underbidding them on every single policy, right? Um, sure. So even honestly, the government funded insurance, is not going to be a different uh, price at all. Makes sense. And I'll be honest, I don't want to deal with the government to get my insurance. Claim no, either. there is. Trust me, there is that. <laughs> It's hard enough to get my license renewed to go to the DMV. I don't need to make it worse. Yeah, it's like the height of efficiency <laughs> when you combine government and insurance. Trust me, it's a it's a crazy, crazy, scary world. I can imagine. So what, if you're a brand new homeowner out there, you just bought your first home, you moved in. I know you probably have that uh, homeowner's insurance coming out of your mortgage. So you looked at your insurance once and set it and forget it. And until you refinance your house, you might not look at it again. What would you advise that new homeowner to yeah, do? Yeah, a couple of things. Right when you get your house, because you're super excited because it's your house, um, walk through it, mm-hmm. video it, record it, do whatever you got to do. You do it again after you move your stuff in. Just save those. Do that once a year. It's a really good idea to do. Make it part of your spring cleaning. Nice. Um, because everyone mm-hmm. on this podcast is literally on this podcast because crap keeps breaking, right? So you want to kind of document right? what keeps breaking. We all know this is the the nature of homeownership, you know? Um, so do that. But the other thing is like- Shared up on social oh, media. 100%, <laughs> right? The other thing is pick, you just got a new policy when you closed on your house. So back up two months and for, and then fast forward a year. So about 10 months from then, put in a yearly recurring calendar, look at my insurance, right? Um, reason you want to do that is twofold. Like we talked about earlier, you want to make sure you got the numbers right. You want to just see who else is in the market, who's competitive. The other thing you want to keep an eye on, and this is a big mistake homeowners make, is- someone misses a premium payment. You miss it. They miss it. Whoever you get some letter. Hey, you know, bear in mind, you're supposed to have insurance. If you don't get insurance, we'll buy insurance for you. And you think, Oh, cool. Awesome. I mean, I don't want to deal with this. My mortgage company, my mortgage company doesn't do crap for me. It's about time they step up to the plate and do something right. They're buying insurance for them, (laughs) not for you. And most States, you can't even recover. Mm -hmm. They will keep the money. And you and if they underpay, you have no right to go after getting more money. I have had so many conversations with like crying men and women who have lost everything and the carrier won't pay anything. And they call me and say, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, send me your policy. And I call them within five seconds of getting the policy. And I say, there's nothing I can do here. And they're like, you didn't even look. How do you know? And said, you had forced place insurance from your mortgage company. You are not insured. You have no insurance. This is all for your mortgage company. They're just going to go cut a deal that they feel like cutting. You still may even owe on the mortgage by the time they're done. But you have to build this Mm -hmm. house out of your own pocket from the ground up. Good luck. And I'm sorry you lost everything. That is a terrible conversation. And you're still going to be paying that mortgage payment because you still own the land. Well, and they don't care, right? So. Some of these, yeah. some of these uh, mortgage companies actually get commissions for buying the policy. So they're not even going to go back at the carrier and say, no, no, no. You know, Eric owes 200 on this house. So we need at least 200 so we can wipe out his mortgage. They couldn't care less. Oh, they just want to capture the loss. Yeah, they're fine. They, they already made a commission. They'll take whatever the carrier gives them. And, you know, they'll just keep bilking Eric every month for his mortgage payment. Oh, that is sad that that should, should not, not be, be happening, happening. So to people out there. 
look, general rule, if your mortgage company wants to do something nice for you, it's probably not nice. So take a look and figure out why. Great advice. You need that on a coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally short of the mortgage company sending you a t-shirt or a mug, like turn down whatever they're offering you. Go get go get advice as to why. <laughs> yeah, that makes good sense. And and like we were saying earlier, I mean, I know my house right now, I got a I'm literally have it on my to-do list for tomorrow is to go back and review because it's been 18 months since I looked at it and I know it's way wrong. Yeah, just get it locked in. Might cost you a couple extra hundred bucks this year, but if God forbid anything were to ever happen, you would sleep soundly knowing you got what you need to get. Well, and the problem that I have, and this is what happens to homeowners out there as well, is I've been putting in really nice stuff in my home because I do it for TV. I've got really great stuff, but a normal insurance isn't going to look at that and go, oh, well, that's a normal bathroom. They're not going to consider I have a steam shower in there or, you know, slab porcelain walls or whatever. They're not looking at it that way. No. And that's the other advantage to doing the video and everything is uh, once a year is it just really, really helps because let's say you go hire someone later like me or a public adjuster. We also have not mm-hmm. been living with you for the last several years watching you put in your steam shower. It'd be creepy. Um but now we know it's there and you can tell us, yeah. but we're going to save a lot of time by knowing what's there. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, that's a whole different realm. You could take a, a $400,000 house and just change things on the inside. And that's now an $800,000 house. Pretty good. Yeah, and for insurance, the value of the house is really what it's going to cost to fix it. Not what you could sell it yeah. for. And that number is usually yeah. higher. Zillow has nothing to do with this. Oh, yeah, 100%, right? Zillow might think, ah, oh, in this neighborhood, that's a $400,000 house. But if you wanted to rebuild that house from the ground up, it'd be a lot more. Yeah. What are you seeing with historical homes as well? Because, you know, you'll get those up on the East Coast where you've got this, or even out where you're at, where it's 150, 175, or 300-year-old house. The rules of reconstruction are completely different than if it was a 10 year old house. Yeah. So it's like, I have a love hate. So I love historic homes, love historic buildings, love historic architecture. It's like, it's a hobby and passion of mine. I live in New Orleans. That's one of the reasons I live in New Orleans. Right. Um, With that said, I hate historical societies and historic land commissions because. um, I like HOS. Yeah. Look, I get it. Like, let's keep the roof looking consistent and you had this beautiful ancient clay tile roof. So we want to keep beautiful clay tile roofs, but I do not exactly understand. Um, but that door better, better be made of wood. What if I just make it look like it's wood, it's wood, you know, what if I want a metal door? Like, so sometimes it just gets extreme, but I will say this is one of the areas where you have to make sure you have the right insurance. And that's that law and ordinance Mm -hmm. coverage I was talking about because they'll say, yep, well, hold on. All it's going to really cost to fix it is this, but you've got some pseudo governmental agency or HOA telling you, nope, you better fix it this way. And it's going to cost more. And they say, aha. So that difference is on you. Yeah, that makes sense. Like in my area here, I have protected trees. I've got 300 year old trees on my property, half acre. And it would be really tough to reconstruct this house because some of the trees are so close that you can't have you couldn't put a house within 10 feet of those trees. I've got a sweet little so, old lady. Same kind of thing. I've got a sweet little old lady in Ohio. She's got a small, you know, um, modest house. It's historic, though. It's this clay tile. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. Nothing honestly great to look at. It was kind of looking old. Hailstorm comes through, thrashes it, ruins it. Um, 
she could get for like 75 grand she could get a new clay tile roof installed on that roof it's what we call in production um by the same mm-hmm. manufacturer everything problem is that historic commission doesn't want that they want a recreation of that exact tile that profile that everything oh. so we have to and this is how crazy it gets right we have to take that tile send that back to the manufacturer have the manufacturer make a mold of that tile and they have to hand pour every single shingle on that oh that's expensive yeah 380 grand um and you know the carrier's like well why is this my problem and i'm like well why is it hers um you know and she had she had ordinance and law coverage thankfully and like look i don't want to be i don't want anyone to hand pour a bunch of tiles for this house seems silly to me but has anyone ever tried to change a historic commission's mind that is crazier than just about anything you can do um they do not budge yeah no now, I've watched plenty of TV shows, and I've heard my friends over at this old house have uh, told me some stories over there as well of just having to deal with those things of, you can't put white curtains, they have to be cream, you know. Oh, yeah, they were like, you need to match the color. And I was like, which color is that? The color it was 70 years ago or the yeah. old color? You tell me. You want it looking yeah. old and aged now, or you want it looking how it did when it was installed? Because I don't even understand what you mean by it needs to color match. Oh, crazy. So what are some of the warning signs that you would give to people out there as well? I know there's, we're not going to talk brands here because I know there's some brands that I've worked with in, in homeowners insurance that I've on. Oh, that was a nightmare. But what are some of the warning signs you'd give for somebody out there shopping that they should pay attention to? Yeah. So uh, insurance is weird. The way it works is as any of you that have bought it, but for those of you that might be about to purchase your first house, get ready because it's crazy. You talk to an agent. They basically tell you what kind of coverage they'll offer you. Usually they just speak flat numbers. Um, You buy it, Mm -hmm. you pay them. And then you get this thick policy in the mail. That's like, here's everything you've agreed to. Thank you. Have a great day. And you're like, no one, no one ever reads this. Right. So feel free to ask to see the policy. They will look at you like you just like spoken tongues or something. Um, But you can actually see the policy. (laughs) They have to give it to you. You don't have to buy it and then find out what it says later. I would do that. Um, I'd work with your agent, find an agent you actually like. I, so many people in my industry are like, hate agents. I love agents. I just think some of them are lazy. Just like some of everyone is lazy. There are lazy lawyers, lazy doctors, you know? So find a good agent who's going to actually sit down with you, spend the time with you, explain the coverages to you. Um, independent agents, we have like captive and independent, a captive agent is one that like, let's say Mm -hmm. they're a state farm agent, right? Independence will write for multiple companies. Um, I like independent agents because they also, if they're good, will be like, well, let me tell you what I'm seeing in the market. This carrier has been writing really aggressively and dropping their costs lately. This one, it keeps trending up and I keep hearing horror stories about the claims. Like, so a really good agent will kind of walk you through all that. And, um, look, if you get in and it's just like the hustle sign, 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 walk away and find another one there. These agents make commission. And I promise you the good agents like rise to the top by initially starting with a really good detailed customer service. And they usually have a couple of like superstars in their office who are trying to become agents themselves. So they also are picking up that, you know, that same mentality of like good, solid customer service. They'll do that for you because they want you to be their customer for life because they get residuals forever Mm -hmm. on the insurance you purchase. And then eventually when they want to retire, they can sell their entire business. And that includes you. Um, so they will work with you, but you have to have the guts to demand quality service. And that's so much better than jumping online and, and 
filling out the form and getting the stuff in the mail. Yeah, I mean, no one's really explaining this to you. They're just uh, they're just sending you something. And uh, look, I'm a big fan of internet online forms automation, but this is something you want to understand. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Galen, thanks for coming on today. Is there anything that we didn't cover today that we should be talking about? No, I think we hit it. You know, I know, especially when you're dealing with kind of fixing things, renovating, remodeling, um, just make sure that you keep an eye out for these types of things. You're like you will find damage, you'll find old things and, uh, you know, make sure you're fixing things, documenting, repairing, documenting all that stuff. And I mean, I promise you, if you keep your wits about you, use like just kind of these few tests that we walked through, like you can navigate just about any situation. Nice, man. Where's the best place for people to track you down if they go, oh my gosh, I just had a big, huge event and I need help. Yeah, sure. Insurance Claim HQ. So that's like Insurance Claim Headquarters, insuranceclaimhq.com. Um, and then you also can call 844-CLAIM-84, uh, like 24-7. We'll answer that phone. And then we're on all the, you know, all the cool kids social media these days. But uh, <laughs> but we actually respond. So, you know, that's kind of fun. <laughs> Even better. Well, brother, thanks for coming on today, and we'll bring you back in later. And this is just the beginning of these topics because there's a no, lot. Thanks, for man. To thanks learn. for having me. It was great. All right, guys, and you've been listening to Around the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered, anywhere beyond the mean, life is a love song. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.